I don't want them to feel grateful to us. They are no. overwhelmed as it is. They're coming off the streets. They are exhausted. And especially when there's a father who feels embarrassed that these ladies are coming in and giving them things. I prefer just to get it set up before they get there and then leave. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories, inspiration, and actions that empower resilience, leverage change, and celebrates their next. Lynn Ilsley works with or is the co-chair of Topanga Women's Circle. It's an amazing .org, nonprofit that helps people who are transitioning either from the street or from abusive homes. Um, and she's been doing this for 11 years. She's, they were honored, Topanga Women's Circle, TWC, was honored by the West Side Homeless Coalition. And they were nominated by the um, Venice Community Housing as Charity of the Year for 2015. Uh, as I asked Lynn... There were other people, actually, who were honored. We weren't just the sole recipients. Right, right. And and also, just so that you know, Lynn is a co-chair. But I wanted to add, too, that Lynn has learned in her 15 years of volunteerism with uh, TWC that judgment has no place in charitable endeavors. Everyone has a story, and everyone has strengths and weaknesses. I love that. And welcome, Lynn. I'm so glad that we get to be here together today and talk about what you're doing. Um, First of all, 15 years, that's a long time. And um, what got you started? Let's go back 15 years. What got you started? What was your your pre-TWC life and how you got into it? We moved to Southern California, to Topanga, Uh, almost 20 years ago. We lived in Milwaukee, moved there from England, and I'd been involved with some some charitable homeless groups tutoring children in in Milwaukee. And then when I came here, I worked as a volunteer with School on Wheels, which is a fabulous charity that that tries to give children academic help, homeless children who are living in shelters. And then I started taking a French class. I thought, well, I'll bone up on my French. I heard there's this great little gal in the canyon who used to have a cafe here called Mimosa. Mm -hmm. And she, Arlette Parker is her name. Mm -hmm. And she started this charity. Her husband was at that time the director of Upward Bound Mm -hmm. in Santa Monica. And Arlette went there one day with Andrew and saw people moving in with everything in a black plastic trash bag, all their belongings. And she thought they need more. They need to develop pride in their homes to not stay in the pattern of homelessness. Yeah. And so she started the charity and initially just worked with Venice with the transitional living center for moms and kids Mm -hmm. and, and then wanted to expand and, but then decided they were moving back to France and they live in Antibes in the South of France Mm-hmm. And she asked me if I would take over the charity. And I said, not on my own. Um, I'd like a co-chair. And my initial co-chair was Karen Sherwood. Mm-hmm. And she was terrific. And she's got very involved in some other activities. So she's now just a volunteer with us. Mm-hmm. And my co-chair now is Teresa Royer, who is terrific. And um, that's how I got involved. And I took over the charity about 11 years ago from our left. 
and with Karen. And then Teresa's been co-chairing for a few years. Wow. And and Arlette, I have to say, what an insightful thing to realize that people, even even the most humble of, of making it a home, you know, mm-hmm. bringing, bringing things in to give them a feeling of this is home. It's not just a place for you to, to a stopping off ground. And I right. love that she had yeah. that insight that the pride. Yeah. Yeah. That's really incredible. But to start something like this, I mean, tell, first of all, for the listeners, what is Topango Women's Circle? I mean, what is it that they really do so that people understand better what that you yeah. guys are? It's a group to? of a hundred volunteers, women, mm-hmm. mostly living in Topanga Canyon. And we go into the the homes that are being given to these people to live in, and it's transitional or bridge housing until they find their permanent homes. Mm-hmm. Very industrial, sturdy furniture is already there. So we go in, and for every room that's in there, we try and create more of a home. And that means for the little dining area, it means a nice tablecloth. They're placemats and fruit in the center of the table and tucked into that is a welcome card with a gift card inside for them to get anything they might need essentials, you know, a target or somewhere. The kitchen has non-perishable groceries and perishables for a week. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to rush out to the grocery store, all their pots and pans, dishes, glass, or everything that goes into a kitchen is there. The living room has a nice throw on the couch, yeah, pillows, you know, yeah, things yeah. like that, um, a rug on the floor. And then the bedrooms, all fresh bed linens and, again, throw pillows and things to make it cozy. And then we have an association with a wonderful group of women called the Linus Project. Mm-hmm. And they make, they make blankets for children, cuddly oh. blankets, mm-hmm. and they make throws to put on the the moms and kids bed so they can cuddle up in something when they're reading. So the bedrooms have that plus the kids have age appropriate books, toys, hopefully some art supplies. Mm-hmm. And the bathrooms again are completely furnished with shower curtains and fresh towels and and it's primarily all new. Mm-hmm. Unless someone yesterday at one of our friends of TWC is moving to Santa Monica and she dropped off bags of stuffed animals that look like they're brand new. Right. We'll accept donations if they are really close to looking brand new. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the pride we're trying to develop in people for their home, their surroundings. So maybe we could break the cycle of homelessness, maybe, maybe a little help, you know, on the way taking pride when you walk through the door, feeling proud of where you are and, so, okay, so transitional living, just so that we're clear on that, they have a, a certain period of time that they're able to live there and then they have to be out on their own and is there help with that and support? Yeah. And how does that work? What it is, is they, it used to be they had up to two years mm-hmm. and to stay in the transitional housing. In that, now it's three to six months, but it's longer wow. if they can't find a permanent home for them. What they do while they're there is help them get a good record of rent payment, sliding mm-hmm. scale. Some people might be paying $50 a month, others 500. It depends on their working situation. Um, but they have a record of paying on time. Mm-hmm. They are given, you know, sort of child education training, nutrition training, 
Um, they're helped with resumes. They're helped with bank banking skills, you know, not necessarily balancing a checkbook, but understanding how your money can, can work for you and how you need to keep a good credit score. And, and then there is help from the social workers too in counseling sessions and finding them permanent housing. And right, right now in Los Angeles, it's a tough time, but it's a good time for them. It's a curious, curious dichotomy because the, the, Apartments are becoming vacant because people are losing their jobs and working, leaving the city. This mm-hmm. is not the transitional housing, but the permanent. Mm-hmm. So landlords who heretofore would not let people with housing vouchers move in right. are now accepting them. So we're moving these people along at a rate of knots. And this week, four families moving in. Last week, three. Oh, it's, it's a lot because each home costs us about... 500 depending on the size to to kit out so okay wait now let me get clear so there's the transitional home that you that guys go you flow you go oh that's the transitional home three to so, six months yeah oh, okay oh wow Unless they're a veteran and they get two years okay oh wow that's great that's great so just so that we're clear these are these are people who have come up against difficult times um and are homeless or there's also women who are escaping abuse is that basically, and you guys get, um, what, how, how do they contact you? How do they know? How do you schedule this? How does uh-huh. it all work? Well, we work with, they're at Venice Community Housing and the Salvation Army Westwood Transitional mm-hmm. Village, which is on Sepulveda, just south of Wilshire. That is a, a large facility with apartments from, four families from mm-hmm. one bedroom right up to four bedrooms and two bathrooms. Uh-huh. Wow. And there's also a child development center preschool called the Bessie Pregerson child mm-hmm. development center, which is a fabulous preschool first option for the children living at the Westwood transitional village. They call us, the housing director sends me an email and he says this week, we've got two families moving in he gives us the composition of the family, ages of the children, gender, the size of the apartment, the number of beds, the size of the beds, so that we can get everything together. We have three days notice. Oh, my gosh. I should give us more, but we often it's three days is I've said the minimum that we need. I then send out all the, the emails to all our volunteers. Mm-hmm. And right now we're not going into the units. We're doing drop-offs of everything. So the people who work there are having to be the decorator ladies. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's the same expense for us because we're still providing the same things. But our volunteers aren't as engaged because they can't go in and do the, the actual setups of the apartments. Right. Right. So we ask for someone you know, if you have a teenage daughter and she might have some books that she really loves, we have some teen girls moving in or art supplies, you know, trying to say there are things that you can do, you know, even though you're not going into the apartment as normal. And also who can provide perishables for this family? And we'll reimburse, but so many of the volunteers do not want reimbursement for buying, you know, the groceries. And Venice Community Housing, which is only moms and kids, mm-hmm. and much more cond- a condensed living space with moms sharing the bedroom with their children and 
sharing the kitchen with the other mothers. They each have their own fridge and cupboard space, but Mm -hmm. it's not very luxurious, but it's so much better than living in a tent, living in a car, living on a friend's couch or living in a shelter. Right. Right. And safer, safer, more, more stable. Absolutely. And many of those women, not all, but many of those women there are fleeing abuse, some from out of state. Um, it's, it's hard. You know, yeah. we do the complete Christmas for the children at Venice. Uh-huh. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we well, get okay, now, now I've got so many questions that I won't try to overwhelm <laughs> you, but uh, the logistics of this. So you've got three days to put something together. Obviously, you, you let everyone know we need X, Y, and Z. But you must be pulling also from some kind of warehouse or storage. Is there is there a sort of a stock like when people do donate or um, maybe local businesses donate? Are you able to stockpile a few things? We've got or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we've got two storage facilities. One in Pine Tree Circle in Topanga. It's a shipping container. Yes, I remember that. I see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's painted and it's beautiful on the outside. It's mm-hmm. It's got a big California poppy on it and a beautiful river rock wall that an artist, Liz Dupuis, who teaches at Louisville, drew. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And then we have another shipping con- container downtown at the Brewery Arts Complex. Mm-hmm. And we managed to... I, Teresa, my co-chair, is a star at organizational (laughs) stuff. She is 100% better than I am. And she manages that bin with with some volunteers beautifully. It is organized so well that even when it's as large as a family of six moving in, four children, she gets in there with one other volunteer and they pull everything together and – you know, we load up a couple of cars and off we go. But she knows where everything is. And so. these these short periods of, you know, turnaround and you're able to do it in three days. I mean, the people that are, are volunteering, they're used to these calls. They're ready. They're on the ready for something. They're used like to this. the emails. I don't call them. No I, calls, but, but the emails. Get, yeah. Yeah. And then I also let them know when someone said, yes, I'll get the perishables because I the volunteers are so wonderful that someone will say, I'll get the perishables and then I'll start getting a flood of emails. I'll get them. I'll get them. You know, so I have to say, no, somebody's already taken care of it. There'll be another one soon. Well, the Uh, thing is, is that they're helping other people, but in in doing so they're helping themselves. It's a, it's a, it's a circle, like a women's circle. It's a very, very good Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And so the, how is it that you guys have the money, the funds? Do you get, uh, do you do fundraisers? I'm sure you do. But yeah. do you have people just donating? Do you have companies? Like, I don't have to name the companies, but I'm sure it has to come from all different sources in order to really make this thing cohesive and work. I'm just yeah. boggled at how it's you make amazing. it work. I mean, one of our big supporters until he was termed out was Zev Yaroslavsky. Mm-hmm. And Zev, when he we had, you know, a $5,000 grant, a 10000 from them. But then when he turned out, he had some discretionary funds mm-hmm. and 60000 came our way, which was wonderful. Helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And I have some key volunteers in the group. Uh, Deborah Silbar is one in particular. And Deborah is an ace fundraiser. 
This is something she is good at. I'm not good at it. I'm more of a the communication tool for the, the charity. But Deborah, for the last three, four years, has organized a challenge grant campaign. Mm-hmm. And many of the people, the volunteers who can't afford to do so, give a, a sizable sum as the seed money to start the challenge grant. And then we send out, you know, our you know, letters to friends and family and businesses in the community. And each year that tends to raise about 20,000. Mm-hmm. So when you consider that each setup is between 250 and 500, and there might be two to four a week, there might be weeks where there aren't any, but right. of late it's been that busy. So this money, we, we get through it pretty quickly. Oh, I, um, I would Teresa assume. Teresa is the shopper, my co-chair. She um, is quite comfortable even during COVID going into the shops and, you know, she's masked and gloved and, and she orders a lot online and um, she makes sure that we always have like five sets of pots and pans and, you know, sheets and towels and she keeps a close inventory. That's so smart. Like I was, I was thinking it. In my logistic mind, I'm thinking, well, you have to have some basics in place just because to turn something over like that in three days is miraculous. And so you yeah. probably have to have some sort of system in place, which yeah. sounds like you absolutely do. And yeah. when you took this over, um, uh, Arlette had already started the, the .org and, you know, the, the whole nonprofit. So um, how, how long did it take you to sort of get you know, up to speed and, and be able to take it over. Did you, did she just hand it to you and leave or? or well, I've been working with her a lot on the communications side of TWC for a couple of years before she oh. left. Uh-huh. So it's pretty comfortable. And she discovered community partners downtown, which is a, an organization that gives emerging charities, their 501 C three status mm-hmm. so that, you know, people's donations are tax deductible Mm-hmm. And they are a wonderful resource. We're still with them and they provide all the accounting tax, all of those services. And they take, I think it's about 9% of whatever comes our way. Now that that's a really low percentage and it is worth every penny because we'd have to hire accountants and absolutely it is worth every penny. Plus they offer seminars for us. What is, what is the name of that, that group again? You, Community partners. Community partners. Yeah. That is and so smart because that frees you up to do the, the things that you're there for. Um, and that mm-hmm. you, and the 9%, I agree with you, is, is nothing. You know, it's really yeah. a small amount. Compared nobody to- earns a salary. We are 100% volunteer. I mean, nobody asks for reimbursement for gas money or for anything. So how many, money how many, um, how many people typically work on one when you have to do a say like you have three coming up. How many people are typically working on one? When we would go into the apartments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When for the smaller apartments, three or so for the large apartments, three or four people for the large apartments though, we might have eight women in there. Yeah. We can get in and out and the place looks dynamite in an <laughs> hour great. and a half. Oh, I, mean, I love that. You know, people are really good. So do you, do you ever um, hear the stories of the people that you've helped ha- if they've gone on in life and have, um, you know, grown and they're, and they're like been able to get a stable home or, or apartment and, and 
get on with their life or what, have you heard some stories that have um, have. been exciting and we have there, there, the recidivism rate is fairly low, which is wonderful Mm -hmm. of people slipping back into familiar patterns from before. We don't meet the families moving in. That's part of our mantra is I don't want them to feel grateful to us. They are overwhelmed as it is. They're coming off the streets. They are exhausted. And especially when there's a father who feels embarrassed that these ladies are coming in and giving them things. I prefer just to get it set up before they get there and then leave. But that there are people who tell us the stories of the families and that really does mean a lot. It's very moving to know what some of these have gone through. Some of these people have gone through, but the most extraordinary thing to me is what good parents so many of them are given their situation. I just, I see it more at the Venice because, you know, everybody's there. It's a close living quarter. Mm -hmm. So when you go in to to get a a little room ready and the kitchen ready and the bathroom for this family that are moving in, you might not meet them, but you'll meet the other families who might be in there at the time. Mm -hmm. And they are very chatty and talk to you and some of these people are well-educated, are fleeing situations that are have become untenable for them. Right. Some of the people are, you know, in, in the apartments that we work at in Westwood, there have been some extraordinary stories of people who own their own home, whose kids were in college, oh, or, you know, and all of a sudden the mother gets sick, the father loses his job, he got sick. It, it was just this cavalcade of, events. Mm -hmm. And these are educated. The mother was a nurse. The dad was, I think, a shop supervisor in a factory, but they had a steady income, you know, and all of a sudden, and two kids in college, you know, one at Penn, you know, these were, these were families where the children, they expected achievement and work and the children and all of a sudden, you know, they finally, they were foreclosed on, they, you know, coming from Santa Clarita or somewhere. And all of a sudden they're in a Salvation Army apartment. Right. And yeah. this, I, I thank you for saying that because I think people think, well, those are those people and they've made those choices to be yeah. in that place. And, yeah. and it can, it can downslide pretty fast for people oh, sometimes. Yeah. And Especially then this day and age, yes, because it's so expensive to live here. Both parents working is still not enough. And so, yeah, it's very, very difficult. And I like that you said that because I think that we need to not judge harshly. And I think it's so insightful that you don't, you're not standing there waiting for the reactions of this family coming in. Mm -hmm. That is really very compassionate and thoughtful because I think that that would, like this family that you just mentioned, if you were to be standing there, how they would feel. um, You know, and I also asked the director, I just, for, here's a little side story. I knew that a woman that my daughter knew mm-hmm. because I heard the name and she had two two children who she'd adopted from another country and their names were interesting. And that's why I remembered this. I'd met her at soccer games, mm-hmm. watching my grandchildren play. And I got the, the, the sheet of the person who was moving in and I thought, wait a minute, 
I recognize that name. And for me, that was a sign that I would not go and do that setup. I did not want her to, you know, be embarrassed. Right. But I do remember my daughter saying that she'd gone to a soccer breakfast at this gal's house in Hancock Park and how lovely it was. And my daughter said, oh, she has the dream kitchen, the one I always wanted. Well, she fell on hard times. Yeah. And so I said to the director at Westwood, I said, don't give my name, but can you just ask her if she needs anything? Because everything that we're going to provide would not be the standard that she would be used to. And I suspected that she still had the toys and books and the the bed linens, you know, a nicer Mm -hmm. quality and um, pots and pans. And they got back to me and said, she doesn't need anything. You know, she's been paying for storage. And she was only there for two months while she got back on her feet. Right. But it was, it was an essential thing for her as she got back, you know, it helped her enormously. And I think that that's key is that it it could happen to anyone. And that's, and also too, that, that, um, that is there now. It's not there forever. Right. I just, I just don't think it's fair to judge people who are at this, this place in life. It could happen to any of us. And like you said, in California, it can happen yeah. often. So, well, okay. One more thing is, is um, how would someone um, that wants to do this in another state or another area in their town, how would they, I think, uh, be able to begin something like this? They have to have a huge network probably just to know their community. And Topanga is a really Every, it's a little, it's a village. It's a yeah. village for sure. Yeah. And um, then those people know people. So it's like concentric circles. Sure. That's key. I think women are so powerful. We support each other and, and just the networks that we have are just amazing. So I would say that that would be one key thing, right? Is to make, is, is to start this out, maybe uh, learning it and then, and then um, taking it on. Right. Yeah, I you know, I my husband had an idea years ago of franchising what we do, mm-hmm. not for money, but putting together a plan, maybe getting a student at UCLA who's going into social work or something else to canvas, let's say just in Los Angeles, communities that have transitional living centers, mm-hmm. and then to see are there any women's groups in that area yeah. who might not do quite as much as we do, but who might put together welcome baskets for people that have all sorts of practical items mm-hmm. for them as they move into their new home or, or groceries or something like that. We need to have somebody who can put together a database who has time and energy and foresight and who wants to do all the research. And And I, I very much like to have a student, you know, one summer work on this. Yeah. For pay, not for free, but for pay, you know, as a because I think it would be a really good sort of adjunct to the work they're doing as in school. Right, right. You know, a college student. But I'd like to, you know, if something was put together, whether it's a, a video or materials for people yes. that you can give them and say, this is what we do. It's really very simple. You know, it's not a complicated thing, but the first thing you want to get is your 501c3 status mm-hmm. because through that, you'll get more donors, people yes. who are happy to, to give. Right. Um, 
that's a dream, you know, of, of franchising it to. I think that's a great dream. I think that if people listening to this would say, oh, I, I, I would definitely be interested in knowing more about doing that in my community. Because the, the audience that I have are women who are looking for something more meaningful and they may have a huge network and they may be able yeah. to have the resources to do something like this. So I think it's a dream worth worth um, taking action on. So I hope that maybe somebody that okay. that, that student yeah. will will want to do it and you will definitely hopefully let me know um, so. because I, I would spread the word for sure for you. Great. Um, Thank you. This has been great, and I'm so grateful to you for what you and your group, your your you know foundation does. And thank you, thank you so much. Because thank you, Liz. I know you're time. making a huge difference. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye bye now. Thank you for listening. Links to mine and my guest social media, as well as other resources you might enjoy, are all in the show notes. Why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time.